Croy. And I'm Dr. Kelly Jones. And this is Orgasm, the podcast from Chipperish Media, where we reach for explosive inspiration. Each episode goes deep into a topic through identification, discovery, exploration, analysis, and synthesis. The ideas framework of creativity and inspiration that we hope will give us some insight into what we love and why we love it. Today's orgasm is about podcasting because, hey, Meta, and we couldn't think of a better guest for this topic than the notorious Lonnie Diane Rich, founder of Chipperish Media and podcasting extraordinaire. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for being Ooh. here, baby. <laughs> so before we get into today's topic and introducing Lonnie, although I think everybody who's here probably knows Lonnie. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe. You don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well... I mean, please, you are a, what, like a Y-list celebrity? <laughs> Is oh, that a thing? no, Z-list, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe double A. <laughs> Loop back around. <laughs> anyway, we got a little bit of an afterglow to bask in from our last orgasm. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the five love languages and I had a realization after we stopped recording. It was like shortly after we stopped recording that we did not talk about love languages and self-love at all. Yep. And Kelly, you had some thoughts about that. Um, and I wonder if you want to weigh in. <laughs> well, you said it. I mean, it was it was your observation. I did say it, but you had some... I did some Googling. <laughs> I didn't... I didn't do like (gasps) deep thoughts. I went into research mode Um, and I did find a couple of really cool blog posts where people had taken the five love languages and translated them into self-love. And I thought that that was really interesting and it might be like a fun experiment to try to do that for ourselves, sort of knowing how you know, love languages work and the ones that we primarily identify with. Because I usually think about self-love in terms of, hey, you know what? It might be a really good idea to like, like yourself a little bit. Like, (laughs) this is who you are. This is the container for your life. Maybe, you know, maybe like that person a little bit. And when I read the love languages book, now granted, I read the parenting version But the impression that I got was that love for the person you were trying to speak their, you know, the language of, that love was implied or like that love was already accepted to exist. So it wasn't a question of like, hey, you should love your child. It was here is how to express love for your child. Right. Assuming you already love this person, how do you communicate that to them? But self-love, for me, has always felt like the process of getting to love yourself, not mm-hmm. not expressing love for yourself. And so, like, reframing that and thinking, well, what if it was already assumed that I loved myself? Or, like, what if I accepted that as a given? Then how would I express self-love? Was really an interesting thought experiment. Oh, definitely. Not yeah. getting there, but acting. You know, love is a verb, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really kind of interesting. Well, and I read the the original 
five love language. Well, I mean, I bailed on it, but that was the one that I started with. The love languages that assumes you are in a, I think it assumes you're married, but it assumes a heterosexual mm -hmm. long-term partnership. And something I noticed about that book was that it didn't, I didn't get the same tone that you did that assumed love relationship, but much more of a, hey, I want this person to experience, like, I, I want this person to feel loved by me. How do I do mm -hmm. that? So it seemed like, it seems like maybe it's a little bit of a different jumping off point, um, at least in terms of Dr. Chapman's work and those, you know, the love languages framework. But I was thinking about how on earth would I apply these things? You know, how, how would I apply really any of these things to myself? Mm -hmm. Especially because for me, physical touch comes out on top. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can do that. But it occurred to me that maybe the way to extend or, or part of the way to extend that to self-love would be through doing nice things for my body. Mm -hmm. So being just being mindful of how I feel physically and what I can do to improve that situation. Yeah. And this is such a, this is such a small example, but it has such a huge impact. Uh, one of the things I started with was noticing how my clothes feel and not wearing anything that felt really uncomfortable or that I was noticing feeling mm -hmm. like tight or binding or itchy or any of that. And I don't know that it's made like a huge difference in my experience of loving myself, but it's definitely something that I would, you know, I would not make a child wear something that was uncomfortable on their body. Yeah. So just extending that, that kind of parental love, I guess, to myself because mm -hmm. it's an interesting it's definitely an interesting train of thought and an interesting experiment and something yeah. that I think is probably worth diving into more when we don't have an entire podcast to record about podcasts <laughs> because <laughs> of course so I chose podcasts for today's discussion mostly as an excuse to get Lonnie to come on the show with us <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, really, like if I'm being honest about it, and it, it, this is a podcast of honesty, it really is. But also because meta commentary is one of my favorite things ever. And because mm -hmm. I suspect that the three of us have very different relationships to podcasts and podcasting. Trust me, it'll be fun. <laughs> Trust me, it'll be fun. <laughs> The famous yes, phrase. Yes, that's the phrase I use to get lying. everybody who, <laughs> prior to meeting me, did not consider themselves a podcaster. I said, Trust me, it'll be fun. And I pull them in and then that's it. Yep. <laughs> well, and I think it's funny, too, that like all this talk about love languages and things. I think threesomes might be one of mine, <laughs> especially in a creative space. I love having guests on the show. So we're really, really glad you're I'm here. I'm glad I'm here, too. And just in case someone listening doesn't know you. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself? <laughs> Hi, my name is Lonnie Diane Rich. I am a New York Times bestselling author of uh, romantic comedy novels and also a 
I don't know, like the typhoid Mary of podcasting. I essentially no. like I, I podcast and I Troy of podcasting. <laughs> Troy. Yes, <laughs> eh, that's potato, right. Potato. <laughs> But basically, I, um, I've been podcasting for a long time and I tend to, I like having discussions. I don't like podcasting by myself. So I pull uh, all the people that I'm close to into podcasting and make them become <laughs> podcasters. And that's kind of what I do. So not Typhoid Mary. I still like the Helen of okay, Troy. All right. Because you are the voice that launched a thousand <laughs> podcasts. But maybe like in a deeply romantic way, you're like the vampire of podcasting because you turn the people that you like into similar I vampires do. and then we all podcast together. <laughs> I do. I pull them in and most people are resistant. And the thing is that I have like, I have a huge respect for consent. Like I really do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. But when it comes to podcasting, like I will go up to somebody and say, "We should do a podcast together." And then they're like, "I don't know. I don't really like public speaking. I'm not comfortable. I hate the way I sound." I say, "Trust me, it'll be fun. We can just do the first one, and we don't ever have to put it." That's always the thing that I. <laughs> it's like the drug dealer. Like the first one. We don't ever have to put it up. Yeah. Nobody else we has don't to ever, ever to... hear it. You just have the experience and see if you like it. And and so I'm like the the teenage boy trying to get sex of. Podcasting podcasting like I just I don't give up and then I find these little ways and then but then just the tip I'm right exactly I know and it's a terrible oh terrible this metaphor to use but it's not entirely like inaccurate because because this I always I'm like we could just record one and if you don't like it like if it's not fun if you don't like whatever we don't ever have to do it you know but I can tell you that I have a 100% rate <laughs> Everybody I pulled into a podcast has eventually done the whole the whole show with me. Um, I think because it's fun. Wow. I don't know. I, I've 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 pulled both of you guys in. So you tell yes. me how does how is it being on the other end of my complete lack of respect for your consent? <laughs> well, <laughs> wow, it's a sexy metaphor. Let's go with it. We could have a very interesting uh, conversation uh, about non-consensual uh, consent, but yes. I think that might be a different topic. It may be. Yeah, Con- consensual, consensual non-consent is a thing. Well, and we, we talked about this a little bit with love languages. Um, and if we ever did an orgasm about sex, I think this would be the foundation there, yeah. too. That it really comes down to trust. Yeah. Because I trust mm-hmm. you. So when you tell me, hey, I really want you to do this thing with me, first of all, it hits my love languages because you want to do this thing with me. So you must love me, (laughs) you know, so like that's a big part of it. And and I trust you. So I don't you know, I know you're not going to let me completely screw Mm -hmm. it up like you're going to you're going to be there, you know, and you're going to guide me through that. But yeah, it has been fun. It's been a lot of fun, actually. (laughs) In ways I did not expect it. To That's be fun. usually what happens. That's usually the like the feedback that I get after a while is that everybody's like, "Yeah, it's really fun." Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna like this, but I really liked it. I really did like it. Yeah, it's it's like the that <laughs> that. All right, this is gonna make Noel laugh. That uh, moment in Shakespeare in uh-huh. Love when Violet and Will go to bed, and Violet's like. I wouldn't have believed it, but there is something better than a play. (laughs) Even your play. (laughs) I hate that movie so much. How dare you? Uh, 
How I love that line. Dare you? How dare you? Really? Oh my god. Oh my god. So we need to define our terms before we jump into this. Okay. This three way of awesomeness. So you know. So I chose this topic, and I'm like, well, wait a second. If we're gonna do identification and really define the topic. I get to go to the dictionary, Yay. which is my favorite thing Aww. ever. I love a dictionary. <laughs> I love a dictionary definition. I know it's cheesy to be like, the Oxford English Dictionary defies, but I love it. Because then once you have that dictionary definition, you're like, well, let's expand upon yes. this or, you know, have a conversation with it. So this is from OED Online. A podcast is a digital audio file made available on the internet for downloading to a computer or mobile device, typically available as a series, new installments of which can be received by subscribers automatically. Very nice. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that, that the first time the first time someone told me what a podcast was, I thought, huh, okay, I guess that's pretty neat. <laughs> but I have never been a big radio listener. So while I saw the value in podcasts, I didn't think podcasts would be something that I would engage with. But I tend to be extremely loyal to friends and acquaintances <laughs> and folks who delight me. And when I was a newish uh, mother, a couple of folks who delight me dove into this thing called podcasting. <laughs> And I, like the loyal fangirl I am, started listening to podcasts. <laughs> I certainly never thought I would also end up podcasting. <laughs> I remember being horrified the first time I heard my recorded voice. And I was a child. Mm -hmm. My parents had got me a tape recorder and blank tapes. And I remember playing around with making my own audio recordings of my favorite picture books. Oh. That is so Aww. adorable. Yeah. Yeah. I even had a little bell for when to turn oh. the page. I don't know. That what is yeah. so cute. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. so Yeah. So, I mean, we were still we were still living in Los Angeles at the time. Like, I can picture the room around me. So I was, I was eight or younger, probably younger. And I remember hearing that playback and feeling repulsed by the sound of my voice. Yeah. And it really, I mean, that has filtered into not wanting to be on video because I just can't, I could not for the longest time stand the sound of my voice. But now that I'm here as an overeducated verbal processor who likes to bloviate on anything and everything, <laughs> it kind of seems like a natural fit mm -hmm. that I would end up podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and it is funny because the first time we heard your voice, Lonnie and I heard it yeah. together. Because you called in to Big Strong Yes, which is a podcast we were doing together. And when we listened to your audio, Lonnie and I were both like, oh, we're going to podcast with this woman. Yeah. <laughs> like, no question about yeah, this. Yeah, you, you opened up. I don't know if it was that one or in like the second uh, audio thing that you sent us where you said uh, creativity is my heart's skeleton key. And oh, yeah. You said that, and I was like, because I liked the sound of your voice. You actually really reminded me of Brene Brown when I first heard your voice. I was like, she sounds exactly like Brene Brown. But... But when you said that, I was like, yeah, this girl and I are going to be friends. Like, this is this is the kind of person I can absolutely hang with. And you sounded so natural. And, and I think the first time was when you yelled at us. 
um, that I you sent in the thing. That was my favorite. And that was, that was <laughs> awesome. Um, and we became friends, like, you know, like immediately after that, you just kind of like came into this space that Kelly and I had been developing because we had just started to get really close during that year, you know, mm-hmm. and fit in naturally. And it was just the, the perfect threesome. I love it. Yeah. Which is yeah. kind of yeah. cool that like technology or, or a medium that opens up friendship, mm-hmm. I think is, is just fascinating. Yeah. And I love that side of podcasting. And of course, that's not in the dictionary definition. <laughs> no. But uh-uh. I think it's one of the things that sets it yeah. apart as a medium. Mm-hmm. For sure. And for me, like I first came to podcast as an academic, of right. course. <laughs> and because <laughs> this was early 2000s, right after Apple developed iTunes mm-hmm. and, and kind of that suite. So I was director of learning technologies at a university and I ran the Apple lab. Mm-hmm. So I was the Apple person in a PC world, and I got a lot of really cool interaction and training from Apple early on um, and went to this big new media conference where they were talking about this new thing called podcasting. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I heard this as educational technology, you know, pedagogical tool, like how are we going to use this in our classes and I got all into that, the academic research, and um, I was an early advocate for our university with iTunes U, and like totally got into all that. And of course, I was the girl who fell in love with the internet because of online libraries <laughs> and bookstore databases. <laughs> like Perfect. the fact that there was all this social stuff on the internet, I didn't like, I think I was on there for 10 years before <laughs> that even dawned on me. I was like... Oh my God, there's a hundred thousand books in my computer now. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> and so <laughs> podcasting was really about educational content that we didn't have access to before for me. Mm-hmm. But my whole life I loved radio. Always loved radio because radio was where music lived. And the headphones were very transportive for me. So I always had like my little Walkman and I had blank cassette tapes so I could record like if I heard the first beat of a song I could yes. hit record real quick and tape it oh, from the radio you know I remember doing that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and then I dated a DJ at our local hard rock music station <laughs> and got to spend and he was on the night shift and so I got to go up there with him and hang out at the radio station and like help spin the shows and see how all that worked and it was so so amazing um and it made me want to work in radio even though I didn't really have an understanding of how someone actually got to do Mm -hmm. that for a job because I definitely wasn't cool enough like to be a radio DJ you had to be really cool and I was not (laughs) cool enough and then in college I discovered NPR and I really fell in love with that smart storytelling and especially their funny shows Mm -hmm. like Saturday morning on NPR delights me And so I majored in communications and new media, and I ended up supervising the student radio station on campus. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be part of radio, but that that same inner editor that hated and carried shame for all of my writing also hated and carried shame for the sound of my voice. Oh, my God. Um, I can't imagine that. Your voice is so lovely. Oh, God. I hate it. And and not just the sound of my Mm -hmm. voice, but like anything that I actually say out loud to another person. (laughs) (laughs) It's all... It's all in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I was always the kid who talked too much. Mm-hmm. Like, teachers told me I talked too much, and parents told me I talked too much. And 
the fastest way to get in trouble in my world was to say something or to write something and then be called out when you got found, Mm -hmm. right? When you got found out. And I used that blank tape recorder one time when I was right after my grandmother died. Um, I have two younger brothers and I have three cousins that we were all kind of close in age. And I was having to babysit everybody. So it was me and five kids. Oh, my God. And I was only 11. Oh, my God. And so, like, oh God. none of them wanted to listen to me. None of them, you know, and everybody was distraught. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, our grandmother had just died, and everything was chaos, and we had just moved from Florida back to Georgia. I mean, it was just chaos, mm-hmm. pandemonium. It was a very, very bad time. And so I was stuck with these kids, and they all were fighting, and they were all unhappy, and they were fighting with each other. And, like, I had to figure out how to calm everybody down because if all the grown-ups came back and everybody was fighting, it was going to get worse mm-hmm. and whatever. Yeah. So I used that tape recorder in, in like, this is so dumb. <laughs> but I, had, I called, like, each child in, and I was like, who are you mad at? You can say whatever you want to say about them into this tape. Oh. And I didn't... I didn't plan to ever, like, I wasn't going to play that for the others. Like, it wasn't to be mean. I was literally desperate for a way to entertain Oh, my God. You were 11 and you came up with that? That's That's brilliant. brilliant. (laughs) So one of the cousins, I guess, who got mad about it, told the parents when they got home. And who demanded the tape, who played it. Well, the tape was not meant to be played. Like, I wasn't doing this to be mean. But that was the, I got in so much trouble. And it was like this, you are this terrible person, and how would you do this negative thing with these kids, and blah, 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 blah. And so for me, like, voice recording got me in trouble and made me feel like a terrible person, just like when my diaries got found in red. So it's always felt like this thing I'm not supposed to do, or like not allowed to Mm -hmm. do, or like there's always this like shame hangover with it. So... In an academic space, it's safe mm-hmm. because I know how to be an academic. Like, mm-hmm. I know what I can say and I know how it works and I know the culture. So, like, all of that was perfectly fine and fun. But then I started <laughs> researching podcasting, actually, for a grant that we were applying mm-hmm. for at the university. And I found this podcast called Will Write for One. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know that, like, podcasts just for fun were a thing I had no idea that that existed and the woman that was running that show was just amazing and she would drink wine and talk about writing and I was like oh my god this is the coolest fucking thing I've ever listened to in my life (laughs) and then I got to be friends with her (laughs) and so even though like I hated the sound of my voice there was something about podcasting that made me want to do it you know, um, and then when I got to be friends with Lonnie, she has a way of turning interest into action <laughs> and like <laughs> carrying a you on a tidal wave of encouragement. And yeah, yes, so. that is a great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. <laughs> Trust me, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. And it has been. It has yeah. been. It absolutely did. Well, you know, what's funny is that like, Years ago, like I got my undergrad in uh, television, radio and film is the name of the program. Right. And I totally focused on television and film. I never did anything with sound like ever. I never worked in radio. I was never interested in radio. I had a friend who was a DJ. I would go and visit him at the station. We'd hang out and I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it was never really my thing. Um, The only time I ever worked with sound was when I was working with a, a, you know, attached to video. So that was, that was everything I learned about sound. I learned because I needed to do it for video. 
But it's funny because I remember many, many years ago, uh, like in the early 90s, you know, uh, talking to my best friend at the time and saying, I think we're going to do a radio show together. Like, I just had this (laughs) instinct that that was something we were going to do. And I had no radio experience, um, no desire to work in radio. But I told her I thought we were going to do the show together. She was an actress, you know, and she also had absolutely no interest in radio. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we laughed about it and I just kind of like was ever, but it was always in the back of my head that someday I was going to do radio, but I had no idea how I was going to do it, you know? Um, and that's one of those things where like my, my ability to believe in magic has been like seriously destroyed in the last few years. I don't really believe in that anymore. Like all my life I did like, this is what I meant to do. And then, you know, but it, it is weird that with no, interest in radio with no experience in radio. I just felt like that was something that I was going to do. And she and I never did a podcast together. Uh, But I ended up podcasting with pretty much all of the close friends that I've had in the meantime, since I discovered podcasts. I first discovered podcasts probably about 2006 or so with a knitting podcast Mm -hmm. called Lime and Violet, where these two friends just with terrible audio quality, dogs barking in the background, would just hang out, get drunk, <laughs> talk about knitting, you know. And I basically, you know, built Will Write for Wine off of that kind of template. So I think it was like early 2007, like January 2007, um, I called up my good friend, CJ Berry, who is uh, also a, a romance writer. We were in the same uh, RWA chapter in central New York. And I was like, hey, you know, let's do a podcast. And she's like, of course, as most people were at that time, what's a podcast? And I explained the whole thing to her. <laughs> and, um, and she had the same reaction that pretty much everyone I have approached I hate the sound of my voice. I don't want to talk. I don't like public speaking, like all that kind of stuff. And I, of course, fell back on my my classic, trust me, it'll be fun. I mean, when a line works, you use it. <laughs> like, there's a story that Jennifer Cruzy used to tell all the time about, like, you know, she was at a bar and a guy make it some kind of cheesy, you know, line or whatever. And uh, she would talk to this guy that she had been writing with at the time in Bob Mayer. And she was asking him, like, why do men do these things? Why do they do it? And he, his answer was, it worked once. <laughs> they just yeah. keep doing it. <laughs> Sure. Oh God, I this love that. This is a that. real thing, right? This oh, is a real thing. God. Okay, now I wonder yes. if that's true. My favorite attempted pickup line ever was from this very, very drunk guy at this very redneck honky tonk, mm-hmm. who literally spilt beer on my boots <laughs> as he stumbled his way to the bar, and then he's like leaning on his arm and looking up at me with these big old puppy eyes, and he's like, "Nice boots, wanna fuck?" <laughs> oh I kid you not. <laughs> And I have always wondered, did that line ever work? It worked once. (laughs) The theory is, the Bob Mayer theory of of really bad pickup lines is it worked (laughs) once, and so they just keep doing it. And uh, for me, Trust Me It'll Be Fun has 100%, 100%. (laughs) Nobody that I've approached and said, let's do a podcast together has turned me down yet. I love that you know your ROI on that yes, line. Yes, exactly. No, I really, because everybody I've gone to and I've been like, I want to do this. And, and it's always, it's always worked. So, um, so I pulled uh, CJ into that podcast and, um, and then we started that in, um, in March of, of 2007. And I have been podcasting pretty consistently ever since. Um, and it's been, it's kind of a crazy experience, especially because I always had that feeling 
with absolutely no reason why I would ever end up working in radio. And I probably had other feelings about things that never happened. And because I didn't think they would happen, it never really. So it may just be that this is just one of those random things that just sort of happened to that prediction just happened to come true. But uh, but yeah, it's it's really interesting. Here I am now, what's it, 12 years later, and I'm still doing it. I love I that. I think it is a very specific magic that you have. Yeah, I, I do. I really do. <laughs> Well, and I also think it's funny just in the, you know, choose magic, woo woo, whatever, that Lonnie started podcasting uh, the same month that I got pregnant with my first child. Oh, oh, that's kind of interesting because that, you know, as having children will do to you, that definitely changed the course of a lot of things in my life. And I think uh, starting a podcast probably steered (laughs) steered you into places that you <laughs> might not have gone otherwise oh so. yeah there's a ton of things that would never have happened to me had I not yeah. podcasted mm-hmm. it's um, interesting to think about all of those yeah. things which brings me into discovery actually really nicely <laughs> because the thing that I was most excited to talk about on this episode was really just hearing you know just your histories with podcasts and podcasting but skipping ahead to my favorite part the experience of listening to a podcast can be very, very intimate. And mm-hmm. if you're listening with earbuds, you practically have someone else inside your body with you. Yeah, you're the voice in people's heads. And it gets it's very Literally. intimate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's some magic that happens to me when I'm listening to people on a podcast where I feel like I'm uniquely connected to the speaker and the subject matter. And it's a magic that doesn't seem to happen to me in other forums. Mm -hmm. So I was really curious to figure out maybe what that was about. Mm -hmm. And on the production end, I don't feel naturally drawn to podcasting, despite the penchant for bloviating. How many times is Noelle going to say bloviating? (laughs) I love that word so much. Yeah. But I don't I don't feel like a natural podcaster, despite what Lonnie tells me. That's so funny. That's so funny to me, because when we were talking about doing Still Pretty together, right, and we first opened it up and I was like, well, Noelle's never podcasted before. She's not really interested in podcasting. And uh, and I pulled you into it and we did that test run. Right. Where I'm like, and we still Mm -hmm. haven't haven't aired that one. Uh, We did a test run for Still Pretty to see how it would work. And yeah. um and I was amazed at just no how incredibly it. good It'll you were. It'll be fine. <laughs> I heard that test run and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. <laughs> she was so good and I was like, yeah, let's do this thing, you know. And uh yeah, and it's been it's been incredible. So I find it because like most people I pull them into podcasting, you know, I make them do this thing with me. And, um, and, you know, and there's a learning curve, there's a natural learning curve, unless I've already been doing it, you know, and, right. um, mm-hmm. but Noelle came right in and it was like, you'd been doing it forever. So it's so funny to me that you don't feel like a natural podcaster. I think you come to it so naturally that you may not even realize it. Mm-hmm. That's really funny to me, mm-hmm. but I think so yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And I can compare like Kelly's learning curve to Noelle's learning curve. <laughs> I literally had to write a pre-flight checklist, like, turn on your microphone, plug your microphone in, make sure your microphone is selected, no ice, no ice, turn off background, (laughs) no ice, like, I have a sticky note, like, I literally have to check it off, because it is not natural or intuitive for me at all, and Noelle's like, oh yeah, I've got this totally set up, ready to go, like, what are we doing? I'm ready, like, let's go, and it's so funny to me. 
And after our last orgasm about love languages, I have more clarity about why I love podcasts so Mm -hmm. much. Because deep, engaging conversation is a potent combination of words and quality time. And a good podcast makes me think or moves my heart or makes me laugh. And, And it really is a special form of magic. And I love the sharing. Because podcasts make thinking visible. Mm-hmm. Like you're hearing how people are approaching an idea. And I, I just love that. You know, it's word crafting. Mm-hmm. It's well-constructed insight, especially when it's edited, you know, yeah. well. Even though that's that's an area where I want to improve. But a positive dynamic between co-hosts is always going to delight mm-hmm. me. And as a somewhat newish, how long do you get to say you're new in podcasting? You're not I new. still feel new. It's been, <laughs> it's been over a year. It's been almost two years, hasn't it? When did, we, when did we yeah. launch Big Strong Yes? It was like March or April, it I think. It was 2017. April. Yeah, I think it was yeah. April yeah. of 2017. Wow. Yeah. Oh my so, God. Yeah. So Almost you're actually, years. you know, by podcasting standards, like you're a veteran. <laughs> God, that's a scary thought. <laughs> so I, I, for discovery, I was thinking about like what, what I like and where I feel challenged. Mm-hmm. And I do like script writing, even though it's always a last minute rush <laughs> to hit a deadline. <laughs> Kelly and I are always like screaming. I always like, you know, like, like sliding into home with dirt on our knees at the last yep. minute. And it's so funny because we'll be in the script at the same time. Both of us putting our notes in like five minutes before we're supposed to start. I love that you continue to do it that way too. Yeah. Like you, it's like, yeah, it's like, well, this is just how we write a script. We just this is how wait. We just wait until we're in full panic mode, oh, yeah. and then it's just like, yeah. oh shit! I do all of them. I do still pretty the morning of. I do uh, still dead between still pretty and when we record still dead. And I listen up, a holes. I mean, Joshua's always making fun of me because he's always like way ahead. He's always like days. He's ahead. so ahead. He's so early. Yeah, he's really, and, and it's it's he's weird on for it him with everything that I slide yeah. in at the last minute like that. But it's yeah. just I don't know. Well, part of it is that I there's literally no other time during the week. Like that's the only yeah. time. I have to do it. So I usually end up doing it that way. But it's kind of become a thing now. And uh, and I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't mind it. Yeah. And I've, I've just accepted yeah. that that's how I'm going to roll. But but even when I'm procrastinating on actually writing a script, there is a contemplative space mm-hmm. that comes first. So I am thinking about the show. Yeah. And I like that. I like that brain space. Yeah. And then the creative connections that catch fire in a conversation, I love. Whether I'm part of it or whether I'm listening to it, I just, I love that. But my favorite part is the live recording, mm-hmm. like the this time, the conversation in real time. Because the people I podcast with are brilliant and thoughtful and fun, and I like spending time with them. And creative collaboration is my happy place. Yeah. So, But I did think about, like, the challenges, too more in the vulnerability space. And it's this big question of what drives the desire to participate in the first place? Mm-hmm. Like, is this just because I want to talk? And is that a bad thing? You know, because I talk too much. And so knowing that words are my primary love language helps reframe that some, but I still struggle with the shame of wanting to talk mm-hmm. and feeling like I should shut the hell up. I think that's really common. I think that's mm-hmm. probably really, really common. Just, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. And like the recording part is so much fun, but I can't quite wrap my mind around the idea that people then come and listen. Right. Like, like (laughs) how, 
you know and i don't what? think about it i don't think about the people who are i mean i do in the sense that like i think about the audience in that i want to be careful what i say and how i say it because you guys may understand what i mean but somebody else might not and it can be misconstrued right. so i try to be very clear in the way that i speak but other than that like i it, it becomes a little overwhelming if you think about how many people are actually listening to it because it really yeah. is i mean for me the podcasting experience is about us connecting with each other you know, and that's the focus mm -hmm. during the actual recording of the podcast, at least at least for me. Yeah, absolutely. It is for me, too. And and like, I love having friendly voices in my ear when I'm driving or walking or doing things around the house. But the idea that I might be a friendly voice in someone else's ear doesn't quite compute. Like, I don't know how to think about that. <laughs> you can't I can't wrap my mind around it. And so I don't like people, people will come to me and say things like, you know, you said this thing, and it changed my life. And, that, and I'm like, that's awesome. I have no memory of saying that. But I'm really glad it was a positive. <laughs> people quote me. I've had people quote me to me. And then I'm like, wow, yep. that's good. Who said that? And they're like, well, you, <laughs> you. I'm like, that's Lonnie, awesome. that was you. I have no idea. I don't remember. Like, it, it is all a blue haze to me after the fact. And even when I edit them, like, I don't remember the podcasts. I don't remember what I said. I mean, part of that is because I do so many on top of yeah. working full time at one job and part time at another job. So for me, it's all this like haze of experience. And I think part of that, like loosens me up. So I don't have that experience, that tension of like, oh, my God, all these people are listening. But I've never had a problem with public speaking for some reason. I've always been God, I don't know. It's it's very weird for me. Like I don't like being the center of attention. I don't mm -hmm. like I don't like like I like being on the outside. I like connecting with people individually, but there's something about but I love talking to people. Like it's weird. Mm -hmm. I like when I know that I'm giving something of value to other people. And that to me is like the big thing is that like whatever I talk about, I want to make sure that it's of value to other people. And a lot of times it is of value to me too. Um, I like mm -hmm. having these discussions. I like having these realizations. My work with uh, story and narrative is uh, very much defined by the fact that it's it's like how you work out, you know, to build your muscles and to be fit. Yeah. Like for me, talking about these ideas is the way that I really keep on top of them and hold myself like intellectually accountable to those ideas. Like, you know, I, I get to investigate them and do they really work? And it is what I'm saying makes making sense. And um, and sometimes it's not. And then I realize that I'm on a bad path there. And I need to like rework how I think about that particular concept. But it's it's really interesting how podcasting, like teaching for me, keeps me in a space where I really need to be, you know, to think about what it is that I'm I'm saying and mm -hmm. be sure that I'm testing it against itself, that I'm intellectually, I'm, I have a certain a level of intellectual rigor and in that I'm, I'm thinking critically about what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. And podcasting puts me in a place to do that. And talking publicly puts me in a place to do that. And so I like that. That is incredibly hot. Oh. I'm just <laughs> The researcher, I'm like, bring on the intellectual rigor, baby. Yes. Oh, my God. I, I, yes. I try. I, tr I don't really think of myself as like an academic or like an intellectual. I, I think of myself as a nerd who really, really loves storytelling. And more important for me than necessarily having it be about me is that the work that I'm doing has value. You know, that there's, there's something that I'm doing that in, in the way that I'm able to look at it because – 
I've spent literally thousands of hours talking about stories because most of my podcasting has been about storytelling. Mm-hmm. Then it, it keeps me questioning, you know, like that when I say something, so I'm, I haven't decided that this is the way things are and that's it. And I'm never going to question it. You know, I've been working with this stuff for a long time that I feel like a lot of my narrative theory has solidified, but only because I've spent so much time testing it against Buffy the Vampire Slayer, against Angel, against, you know, against all of the stories that I've talked about on various podcasts against the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm looking at all these things and thinking, do my theories about story really, really stand up? And it also brings me to places and ideas that I wouldn't have gotten to otherwise because I'm presented with this thing and I need to look at it and decide how it works. So for me, podcasting is like, it's a business, you know, which is the part that I suck at, but the... (laughs) The intellectual exploration of it, and especially because I'm, I'm working with people who are smarter than me, which is like always my goal is to be around people who are smarter than me because they make me push myself, you know, that for me has been like this huge benefit of podcasting. And I've learned, I think, more by doing podcasting than I've necessarily taught, you know. So while I want it to be of value to other people, and that's hugely important to me, um, it is it is primarily of value to myself. But it's funny because when I first started podcasting, there really was no way to make a living at it. Like nobody gave us money. We just did it, you know. Um, I did the podcast, you know, to get an audience so I could sell my online writing classes. It was a little bit promotional so I could sell my books. But then Patreon became a thing, this crowdfunding of podcasting that allowed people who, you know, liked me and liked my work to throw a dollar at me once a month or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, and this became a job, you know, but I still do it like it's not a job. <laughs> um, I do the stuff I like and then I punt the mm-hmm. stuff that I don't like, which is self-promotion <laughs> and marketing, all the things that make a business successful. So mostly... You know, I do this because I like talking about these ideas with my friends. I like the critical thought. I like, uh, you know, being questioned on these ideas and really kind of having to test them to see if they actually function properly. And that's essentially like why I podcast and and why I do what I do. Like I want to learn. And the best way for me to learn is to dive in and talk about it and then teach it to other people. So, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. where all of this has led to over all of this time. I do like the construction Mm-hmm. I like futzing around with the settings and the audio and the can- <laughs> and the microphone and trying to figure out how it works and make it work well. And, you know, audio is the fussiest thing, the literally fussy. I was just telling uh, Noelle and Kelly before we started podcasting that for the last like three or four weeks, something's been wrong with my audio. Like I listen to my audio and it sounds just a little bit tinny. It sounds a little weird. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And I was playing with all these settings. And then I looked on the back of my microphone. It's on the wrong freaking setting for the kind of, for the. <laughs> pick up pattern or whatever. And I was like, oh my God. And so now hopefully this one sounds actually good. But meanwhile, Kelly and Noel were like, I didn't hear any difference. Like, I didn't hear any difference. Although I am fun. wondering, has my microphone been on the wrong setting for the last two years? No, because- your microphone is fine. Your microphone doesn't have this setting it's in the back. It's entirely possible. It your is entirely is fine. possible. But I love the post-production. Post-production was my favorite part of um, television production, editing and putting, taking all the pieces and putting them together. It's like crafting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I, I feel the same way when I'm editing a podcast that I do when I'm knitting, you know, like I'm putting this together huh. and I'm making it, I'm crafting it, you know? So I really like that. But for me, it's this, you know, like I, I don't, I can't think about the people that listen. I can't think about people that like my work or that, you know, and, and it does happen where people, and this sounds so area, but it does happen where people like idolize you a little bit, 
you know, and they're like, oh my God, you're like the best and I love you and you changed my life. And I'm like, that's great, but you changed your life. Like I was there, <laughs> you know, like I happened to be the yeah. thing, the voice in your head when, when the idea came to you and I may have helped a lot, but it's, it's like, it's because the thing that I've discovered with like fandom as weird as that sounds. And, and trust me when I say we were talking about like Z level, you know, celebrity, I'm definitely double A, possibly triple A level celebrity. I mean, I do not consider myself to be like famous. Just some people know who I am. But the thing with like having fans and having a fandom is that it is, it is very much about them and I don't really see it as being about me. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily about me. It's just the, the thing that I'm doing, the work that I'm doing is speaking to them at this particular time and they are taking it and doing things with it and making things happen. And I love that. And I think that's part of the reason why I think the people who listen to me become inspired to do podcasts of their own because they're like, well, this idiot can do it. <laughs> No, 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 not it's at not all. that. Not it is fun and encouraging. And I did this when I was doing the podcast on writing and in my writing workshops. And, and when I go out speaking, this is one of the things that I do is that one of the things that does happen is that people tend to feel like, OK, I did this thing. Now shut the door behind me so nobody else can come in. Right. And they will yeah. just they will actively discourage you from doing creative things. I've seen writers do this with other writers. I've seen podcasters do it with other podcasters. Um, and I don't do that because I think the more stuff that's out there, like the better we all are, because, you know, if my voice has somehow, you know, given you the inspiration to do something, your voice will do that for somebody else. And the more creation that's out there, the better off we are, the more people are speaking to the things that inspire and intrigue them and fascinate them, the better the world becomes because they're spending that time doing that instead of feeling like they're not good enough to do that. So, um, so I think that anybody who wants to podcast should absolutely Absolutely do it. I think that it's fantastic. I think the more podcasters, the better. I don't consider it competition. I consider it companionship. There's people out there who do what I do and get it and love it, you know? And so I, I don't feel threatened by that. But again, at the same time, like I'm terrible at all that stuff. Like I'm not, I'm terrible at promoting. I'm terrible at asking for people to support us. Patreon.com slash chipperish. Oh, there you go. <laughs> You did it. I, thank you. I did it poorly, but I did it. But, you know, I mean, there's there's so much that goes into it. And I want everybody to have the experience that if it's something that they're interested in, I want them to have the experiences that I've had because it's so fun. And I love listening to the people who came through, you know, who found podcasting through me and my work and are now podcasters on their own. I love that. I love listening to them. Not to mention the fact that like, and pardon me for my arrogance, but I teach narrative theory. Like, and so the people who are out there doing the work, you know, with my narrative theory, I know are talking about it properly and correctly. <laughs> and I can't do every show that's out there or every book that's out there. So I want people that I've trained out there doing it right and spreading the damn word. So, so that's incredibly arrogant, but I do like, I mean, I've been working on this for a long time. I test my ideas. I, I put them up against different scenarios and I uh, adjust them and work with them. And I I think I'm right. Like I do think if I didn't think I was right, I wouldn't be doing it. You know, I think that my narrative theory is solid and I want people that I've trained out there doing that kind of story analysis. So, oh, no. um, so I, I don't know. That. that sounds really arrogant, but there you go. I don't think it sounds arrogant. I think it sounds like you know what you're talking about and you really have created something with 
how story works that is accessible and it's easy to understand. Um, if you're not familiar with the How Story Works podcast, I really, really recommend you yes. give it a listen, whether you're a writer or somebody who, you know, just likes to think critically about the stories you engage with. It's invaluable and oh. it, funnily enough like it has lit up some things for me in my personal life wow because yeah I, I maybe I haven't told you this but it it <laughs> has enabled me to figure out how to move through situations where I was feeling stuck because wow. I would think about myself in terms of narrative theory or in terms of what would I have a protagonist do or what would if I were watching this story or reading this story what would I see from the outside and then what would I you know like what action would I be sort of rooting for the protagonist to take in this moment yeah so at how story works was one of the first um I think it was the first podcast of yours that mm-hmm. I listened to, Lonnie. And oh, wow. it's just, yeah, and it's just fantastic. And I think that training the next crop of narrative <laughs> theorists is a really, really wonderful pursuit. Well, and I want to do that, but I have to promote it because nobody oh. knows about it. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, yeah. that's the next step is is getting that taken Is care. promotion. Yes, yeah, I'm and terrible podcasting. Podcasting is expensive. Yeah. There are a lot of there there are a lot of costs associated with podcasting and we do it because we love it. But if you would like to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash chipperish. A dollar a month makes it it really does make a difference mm-hmm. to us. And it keeps these podcasts free for people who, for whatever reason, don't have that dollar, three dollars, five dollars a month yeah. to subscribe to entertainment. I mean, I definitely, (laughs) I have definitely been there. And one of the reasons that I love supporting folks on Patreon is because I have the the space Mm -hmm. now in my finances to make it free for other people, essentially. Mm -hmm. So that is a great way to support any podcaster that you love and to you know, keep, keep the, keep the content coming. Yeah. And I happen to know that at Chipperish Media, we have some fun patron exclusive things in the works. Yes. The wheels have been turning. So <laughs> it's, oh yeah. Oh, I can tease that a little. Yes. You can. <laughs> I can tease that a little. Okay. In, in the spirit of trust me, it will be fun. <laughs> and doing things that you never thought you would do. Uh-uh. So Lonnie is definitely the high holy priestess of this, but equally good at it is our very own Joshua Unruh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who we we at Chipperish Behind the Scenes have been pitching around the idea of a two-host minimum show where two yes. of us are going to watch or read something together mm-hmm. and then come and talk about it. So within 45 seconds of that conversation, <laughs> I get this message from Josh Unruh who's like, Kelly. Uh, it's time for you to read Superman. Trust me, it'll be fun. <laughs> he really is the male me. Oh, I mean, Joshua yes, is so the male me. But his, his enthusiasm is just fucking contagious. Like, yes. you can't help it. And I'm like, I'm so I'm giving him all my 
Josh, I don't care about Superman. I don't. This is not my. He's like, just, just fucking read this. Like, read this. Just read it. And I'm like, all right, fine, fine, whatever. And so he has me reading, which I talk about shit you never thought you would do. Yeah. So I am reading All Star Superman. I love it. Which has 12 volumes. I have read the first two. Mm -hmm. I'm working on number three now. And then we talk after each issue. And holy shit, I have notes. Oh, my God. It is so cool. (laughs) Notes. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. That conversation is going to be really fun. So there's all kind of cool stuff coming your way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. So now that we kind of <laughs> ease into that, mm-hmm. we can we can explore other things, right? Totally, we'll get totally. Into exploration. <laughs> I will take us into exploration by admitting that I really did not know what to do for exploration for podcasting mm-hmm. at first. Like when I thought about recording this episode of Orgasm, I was like, "Well, shit, what am I going to do for exploration?" So I started. <laughs> this is so goofy, but I started by just kind of watching myself podcast and watching myself listening to podcasts Mm -hmm. and when I said that to Kelly she said what the hell does that mean and I said well (laughs) well I if if uh you don't listen to still pretty the Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast I do with Lonnie um you may not know that I podcast in my car I love that so much. I I podcast in my car. I live in a small house with other humans who are loud. (laughs) And there's not room for an office. And honestly, even if there were, I think it would probably still be too noisy. It's an old house. Loud, loud people, loud people are loud. So I podcast in my car. The first time I set up my car to podcast in I think it took me 45 minutes to get everything like exactly where I needed it to be and so I could like sit comfortably and have my cords and wires all going where they needed to go (laughs) when I got set up to record today it took me five minutes and that was with interruptions from (laughs) aforementioned loud humans you know and it's like it's just become this really like easy streamlined process for me. I'm like, I know where my microphone needs to be. And mm-hmm. I know, you know, I know how to sit <laughs> when you're podcasting in a car and it's a small car, a small house, small car, big voice. I don't know. There's something, <laughs> but you know, getting physically comfortable is an mm-hmm. important thing that after the first, the first time I recorded an episode of anything in my car, I was sore afterwards oh, sure. <laughs> because, because I had just like, I don't know. I just wasn't paying attention to where my body was and what I was doing. So I was like, why does my neck hurt? Why does my upper back hurt? It's like, well, <laughs> well, dummy, you got to bring the microphone to you, you know, don't mm-hmm. try to go to the microphone. So that is interesting to me just to, to see this evolution of, how how quickly and easily now I can mm-hmm. get physically comfortable in this space. But I noticed that when I'm reading from a script, I'm holding my breath. Interesting. <laughs> I just, yeah, I caught myself. I was paying attention to what I was doing over the course of the last week or so. Uh-huh. And 
when I'm reading, it's like I get very tight in my mm-hmm. chest and I sort of hold my breath and then I feel like I can't, I can't breathe and I can't speak. And I think it's the old, you know, first grade fear of mm-hmm. reading aloud because I don't have a problem with public speaking. Mm-hmm. I don't mind talking to people, you know, in a group, especially when I have a topic yes. <laughs> to talk on. I cannot make small talk. Right. They give me a topic and I'm like, <laughs> let's go. But if I have to read out loud, even if it's just to one other person, like I feel the tension creeping in. And it's Mm -hmm. very interesting now to have identified that as something that I do and something that I can like consciously work on. So when I think about listening to podcasts and how I have engaged with podcasts in the past versus now, there's been a big, big shift Mm -hmm. in how I like, like what function podcasts are performing in my life. I don't know if that's exactly the way I want to express that, but that's kind of the best way I can think to talk about it. When I was deep in an eating disorder, I had uh, non-purging bulimia, which is a really confusing way to describe an eating mm-hmm. disorder because bulimia is defined by purging. Non-purging bulimics use methods other than vomiting to compensate for a mm-hmm. binge. So my my purge was always exercise. And I paired podcasts with purging for a long mm-hmm. time to where I would... Like, that was when I listened to podcasts, when I was exercising off some, you know, nutritional shame. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that anymore. Um, I have been in recovery for about two years now, maybe yeah. not quite. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that that's not something I do anymore. And I have have stopped, you know, I've stopped using using podcasts as a way to numb out because mm-hmm. it was it was really I needed something to take my mind off of how horrible I felt in my mind and in my body and podcasts were that distraction and I feel like now that I'm in a better space with food and my body that I can actually engage with Oh, I don't know, the conversations that folks are having on podcasts, I can actually, you know, I've like opened up this space to learn from the people that I'm listening to, or just feel that sense of connection that I talked about a little bit earlier with the intimacy of podcasting. And of course, what I what I listen to has changed a lot too. When I was when I was deep in my eating disorder, a lot of what I listened to was content that was ostensibly about health. Although now I see how steeped in diet culture a lot of it mm-hmm. was and continues to be, mm-hmm. you know, and now what I listen to, you know, I, I know to back out of a podcast when I hear something that I'm like, mm, this is not for me or this is going to send me down a, a train of thought that I don't want to go on. So just sort mm-hmm. of looking at what I what I listen to now versus what I used to listen to, it's it's a big shift and it's a it's a really positive one. Oh, I'm so glad you were able to make that shift. Yeah, and I mean, I could talk about I could talk about the process of making that shift a little bit, but it was literally something that was said 
on a podcast that helped me make that shift. So it was kind of, yeah, so it wasn't, you know, not permeating, but (laughs) it was also not, you know, the, the podcaster in question was not talking about relationship to the physical body, but an abusive relationship is an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. was something yeah. that that finally clicked for me and the kind of lying and deceit and harm that can happen in a domestic abusive relationship can also happen in our relationships with ourselves. Yeah. And I won't speak for everyone who has suffered with an eating disorder or is suffering with an eating disorder. It's not a one size fits all kind of thing. But for me, it was very much about being in an abusive relationship with myself and lying to myself about my worth and about what I needed to do in order to be okay Mm -hmm. in the world. And seeing that for what it is, seeing that as an abusive relationship was something that I came to through listening to podcasts. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really, really grateful for that experience. And know that if you are, you know, if you are processing an eating disorder or disorder to eating, that you're not alone. It's extremely common. It is okay to talk about it and you don't have to recover all at once. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just wanted to leave that, that space there. And if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Noelle Aloud and I'm happy to talk to you or offer any support that, that you might need if this is something that you are also going through. So my DMs are open and that's my little, that's my little eating disorder PSA for this episode of orgasm. And shall we get, shall we get back to the, to the chipper? Well, honey, I, I think that is chipper. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, you know, the, the strength that you have tapped into within yourself to do that is, is incredible, you know, and, and there's no, there's no short changing that. I mean, you are badass and, it's <laughs> I'm very proud of you and I'm very glad that you're able to have podcasting in a in a happy space now. And and that did kind of relate to exploration for me because I started thinking about the things I like to listen to and wondering about the common threads between them all because mm-hmm. of course I did. And I think like at the end of the day, and this is going to sound so weird. This is one of those ideas that I don't know how to express. Mm-hmm. I was trying to <laughs> talk to Lonnie about this, about TV shows the other day. And I'm like, I don't have words. This makes no sense. <laughs> but it's it's almost safe space. And I mean, I just, it sounds so ridiculous to me to say this out loud. But it is really hard for me to fall into a new show. Oh, yeah. To fall into a new TV show, to fall into a new book series, to fall into a new podcast, even to some extent, it's like falling into a new friendship, right? But it's it's mm-hmm. this, there is like a permeable wall. There's a transition between unknown space and safe space. Mm-hmm. And when that clicks, it's amazing. Yeah. You're like, yes, this is, these are my people. This is my show. But getting there is is hard and frustrating and sometimes it's exhausting Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and I don't quite understand what that's about but but sometimes the magic just clicks Mm -hmm. and it was like this for me with audiobooks because I resisted that really hard Mm -hmm. but then after that initial resistance period like when I was able to cross over 
and fall in love well and proper, I started searching for books by narrator Mm -hmm. instead of by author because there's something about that voice, right? The voice, like I want this voice in my head. Mm -hmm. And so podcasts sometimes work that way because I'll search by a guest speaker. Like if someone's a guest on one show, then I'll go find and see what else they've done. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I've listened to every podcast episode Elizabeth Gilbert has ever been on. Like, I will just (laughs) own that. And that has led me to podcasts that I wouldn't have found otherwise, Mm -hmm. which is is really cool. But I think I look for witty conversation, deep thoughts, lyrical storytelling, like, make me laugh, make me think, or inspire me, right? Mm -hmm. Right. A good framework or interesting guest or humor or there's something in it that I know it when I hear it Mm -hmm. and I love listening to my friends podcast um, and some of the networks that you know have bloomed out of Chipperish or some of the guesting that we all cross over Mm -hmm. is so much fun I love smart podcast about books like what should I read next Mm -hmm. is fun and the storytelling of the moth and on being Um, I love the beautiful writers podcast sex nerd Sandra is one of my favorites yes it's a fantastic podcast So good. And shows that tell the story behind the story. So like authors coming to talk about the book they wrote, songwriters talking about the song they wrote, like NPR's All Songs Considered. I love that. I love the the upfront work. So like Lonnie, you were talking about how much you love post-production. Yeah. And I love pre-production. So like, (laughs) let me build a framework for something that is going to exist. Hell Mm -hmm. yes. Like that initial, how do things get started? How do ideas take shape? Mm -hmm. I love that part. Um, And so shows that talk about that are some of my favorite podcasts too. That's so cool. You guys are never going to guess what my favorite part is. (laughs) What's your favorite part? I like production. This is my favorite yes. part. We're doing it right. That's why we all work so well together. <laughs> Beginning, middle, and end. Beginning, we got it. Yeah. on. Right. Yeah. We are the, like the triple goddess, the maid mother it's and a, crone, man. It's a Noel sandwich on Kelly and Lonnie bread, and I love it. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I'll get into my exploration off that note. <laughs> I I love finding new podcasts to listen to. For me, it's always fun. And and Kelly, I absolutely understand what you're saying about how it is. It is really hard to kind of get into a new TV series, a new book series, um, you know, and, and there is like that because you have to dip your toe in. It's like dating, you know, yeah. I mean, dating is terrible, yeah. but it can lead to good sex. So you do it, you know, exactly. <laughs> but you have to get to know that, you know, that thing, whatever it is you're interacting with, you need to make sure that like, are they a safe space for me? You know, is this mm-hmm. going to be an energy that I'm going to be able to respond to? And also for me, I find that like my tastes in new podcasts vary on what it is that I need at that particular moment, like where I am emotionally. And um, it's funny because I don't listen to very many like film, television, story writing podcasts. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like it's the same way that I stopped reading romance when I was writing romance. You know, it becomes overwhelming for me. I feel like I'm in that space just too much and it it overloads like everything for me. But uh, but I especially have trouble listening to podcasts that cover the same ground that I'm covering. Like I don't want to absorb them, their ideas and mistake them for my own, you know, (laughs) because sometimes you're like, wow, that's a great idea. 
idea. I wonder if I came up with that. And half the time, I don't yeah. know. Like, I'm going in, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. This might be my idea. It's really tricky if you listen to things right. that you're also working on. Yeah, so I try not to do that. Um, even though, like, some of my favorite podcasts, like Buffering the Vampire Slayer, is about Buffy, and I can't listen to it. You know, so I'm waiting until we're done with Buffy, which will be, like, 2021, according to our current calendar. <laughs> I've been doing the same thing. I know. Oh my god. I and, listen uh, I listen to them after we record. So yes. like that's my little anyway. You wait so. until until we finish it because I don't want to like absorb any of their genius and mistakenly think that it's mine, you know. So yes. I try not to do that. But uh, but I mean I love all of that stuff. So I have to put that stuff aside and wait until we're done talking about it and then I can go to it. But mostly and I find this very very strange. I listen to um and, and for me like you know knowing me like um I have a little bit of PTSD from a traumatic experience and so I end up having like anxiety fairly often so you would think that I would listen to like soft you know podcasts about happy things and butterflies and unicorns and mostly not, right now what I listen to are political podcasts like I listen to them <laughs> obsessively I got Rachel Maddow I got Chris Hayes I got Pod Save America I got Love It or Leave It um I, can he do that by the Washington Post all of these things I listen to uh constantly um <laughs> about our political situation right now which is a dumpster fire of epic proportions and freaking terrifying but I can't live during the apocalypse and not watch it happen so uh so that's kind of a thing and I also really love listening to and this is kind of like a you know a, a, a necessity thing I love listening to mini series documentary mini series you know mm -hmm. um but most of them are about true crime like serial launched that whole thing and the first season of serial is still brilliant you know um but there's all these true crime podcasts like accused by the the people of the Cincinnati Enquirer who were fantastic did a really really good job on that um, there's like a whole bunch of these and I love listening to these like narrative podcasts, but they have to be nonfiction narrative. Like I mm -hmm. still haven't been able to listen to the bright sessions. I've learned, I've learned like wonderful things about it, but I haven't been able to get into um, fiction narrative in podcasting for some reason. And I don't know what it is. Um, and I think maybe it's because it is so close to what I do that it puts me back in the workspace and I want to be in a non workspace when I'm listening to podcasts, all of my hours, most of my hours in the week are working on something full-time mm -hmm. job, part-time job, podcasting business. Like it's always one of those things. So when I'm listening to podcasts, I want to listen to things that are completely unrelated. And those are the things that I come to that are completely unrelated to what I do. And so I'm finding myself discovering all of these things, but it's, it's terrifying watching the world burn, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and listening to these podcasts about like killers and unsolved mysteries and, you know, Bear Brook, which was genius, but people who put like, you know, a guy who put women and children in barrels in the forest you know it looks terrible you know but for some reason I that's kind of the stuff that I'm really into listening to at this point and I think that there's also something in like there's something in looking at your podcast list and I think we should someday do a podcast about this looking at your podcast list like a Rorschach test like <laughs> what is wrong with you based on what it is that you like to listen to oh wow because wow, I think wow, there's wow. Some, yeah. I think there's some deep psychological nuts to crack in there, and uh, and so it's interesting because mine is all all political podcasts, all political podcasts and true crime. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. It's catharsis. That is about I, catharsis. I don't know. Yeah. I will like. I will. Yes. I no. I'll. 
It's I'll interesting. Put my step on that. Yeah. Yeah, you got to process all the things. You got to process yeah. all the things and it's a lot. It's it a is. lot. So processing processing our relationship to podcasts and podcasting. As we move into analysis, I have actually come around on the sound of my voice. Oh Yay! good, because I love the sound of your Me voice. Too. I think it's so lovely. Well, thank you. But I still find it really hard to listen to myself on podcasts. Oh and yeah. I, think it's the recovering perfectionist yes the, the urge to sort of coach myself through because of course I know what I'm about to say so if I'm right. saying something and it's not quite where I want it to be I always want to be able to edit after the fact <laughs> go yes, back and go yes. no try that try that again say yeah, that let's again take another yes. run at that honey yeah yeah take another run of that <laughs> but the most interesting piece of podcasting for me is still the the intimacy of all of it. The people I listen to become the voices in my head, as you said earlier, Lonnie. And that is really powerful. Yeah. That's really, really powerful. And when I put myself out into the world in this format, I may become the voice in someone else's head. And that's sort of magical, but it's also yeah. an incredible opportunity for connection. Yeah. So what do I do about the podcasting imposter syndrome? Because I still kind of have that, like, well, who am I to be talking about this thing that I'm talking about? <laughs> and I can't be an imposter if I'm myself. Yes. And the easiest way to open up to being myself is to focus on that connection. Mm -hmm. So first with my co-host or my co-hosts, and second with the folks who might listen. Mm -hmm. We're here because we like talking and sharing, right? I mean, that's really... Mm -hmm kind of the baseline <laughs> of all of yes. it so <laughs> focusing i mean i'm hoping fingers crossed this is my self-analysis for this episode i'm hoping that focusing on that connection you know both levels of it will kind of i don't know file away some of the imposter syndrome <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that like the the answer to the question, why me in a circumstance like that is why not me? Why not? You know? Yeah. Like, why not you? You have a degree in film theory. And I mean, I, you know, went to school for film. And when we do Still Pretty, you are able to pull out stuff like symbolically, visually. I look at storytelling, but you're able to pull out things from the the visual, you know, significance of it that I think is just brilliant. And I absolutely love that you're able to do that. You've got a lot of feminist theory background that is hugely important and I mean you know like I learn from you every time we do a podcast so um so I don't think that you should have an imposter syndrome and a lot of people do there is this question of like well why are you qualified to talk about this on a podcast like podcasts are free if people give us money because they choose to but we put them out for free we put this material right. out for free um I think if you're you know if you're charging if you're behind a paywall that there should be some expertise behind that you know right but I think that but honestly like doing the podcast every week is becoming your expertise like you've been developing <laughs> yourself as an analyst and a critic and I think that you know I think that you should get paid for what you do I pay you for what you do I think That's that true. you deserve it and you earn it you know <laughs> but neither one of you 
should feel like imposters because you're both brilliant and you bring so much incredible value to everything you do. And I know I'm stepping on Kelly's. It's Kelly's turn to talk, but I just wanted to address that (laughs) because people out there a lot of times like, and I always encourage people to talk about the things that they're passionate about. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to have a degree in something to be passionate and knowledgeable about it, you know, and you don't have to have a degree in something to talk about it. Because having a conversation and opening up conversations is always a great thing. And I thoroughly and thoroughly encourage people to do that, regardless of whether they have a like a, you know, quote unquote degree or experience in it or whatever. If you have something you're passionate about, that is your experience. That is your credential. You know, so uh, so I just wanted like anybody out there who's thinking about podcasting, who's like coming up against that imposter syndrome, put it away and just do it. It'll be fun. Trust me. It'll be fun. Well, I felt that way when you asked me to do Still Dead because mm-hmm. I don't have film expertise. I don't have television But you're expertise. brilliant in general. Oh, my You're just God. like a generic genius. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching Angel and I'm like, that's bad teaching. Like, I'm Oh, like, I know. I love not... it. And when that I is get my pissed favorite. off at bad pedagogy, it, it delights me. That is my favorite. <laughs> Kelly ranting about bad yes. pedagogy on Still Dead is one <laughs> of my favorite it. things. It's delightful. Stop. No, it's but so you great. love Angel. Like, I you do. love and have a passion for Angel and you know that show. And And you're also answering questions like you go in there like the first thing you said was I'm coming in here to answer the question. Why do I love this damn show so much? You know? Yes. And by the end of our run, hopefully we'll have an answer to that. But I think that like knowing why you're going in to do something is a huge part of the value that it gives. And um, and Kelly, people love you. You are delightful. And I think that I think that people just get a genuine kick out of listening to you talk because you are so smart. And I love your research questions. You always have questions about things. And I love that. I think that has incredible value. Well, thank you. And and putting like a research question frame around something. At least I know how to do that. So I think part (laughs) of answering that question, why me is figuring out what you do like to do. Because chances are it can relate to almost any topic that you want mm-hmm. it to relate to. But yeah, I mean, I do. And I, I still <laughs> I still struggle with imposter syndrome and shame and anxiety. And I also really worry that I'm running out of creative ideas. Like I always yeah. worry about the bottom of the well. Always. Right. That, is, that is a constant thing. And so like for analysis, thinking about why I love this thing with podcasting, because it is creative collaboration, there is no bottom to the well. Yeah. Because there's always someone else to bounce off of and that sharing of ideas and sharing laughter and shared insight that's at the core of that, especially the ones I'm lucky enough to be a part of, Mm -hmm. it fills that well back up in a way that I can't do by myself. Yeah. And I still struggle with that because like I don't like podcasting alone. I do have topics. I did try a solo podcast. I don't Mm -hmm. like it. There are things in an academic space that I would like to talk about, but I don't want to do it by myself. And for a long time, I thought that meant that I wasn't good at podcasting. Mm -hmm. And I think it's okay to just realize I like having a conversation. So when I podcast, it's going to be with a co-host or preferably a threesome because, hey, hey, and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I love hearing people laugh at something we say together. Yes. Or like share an idea that we talk about. But like how you were talking about people coming up to you and saying, you know, hey, you said this thing and it had this impact on me. That is the weirdest phenomenon. Like that is the strangest thing. And I, you know, I have this love relationship with the idea of defining your terms. 
<laughs> that has now become shorthand for, you know, kind of different kinds of conversation or different kind of uses. And every once in a while, someone will tweet about this. And I, I'm just like, this is so cool. But also, this is so weird. And mm-hmm. I had somebody message me. Uh, she wanted to start a podcast called Define Your Terms about a topic that's has nothing to do with any of my work. Mm-hmm. But she messaged me and asked for permission to use it as the title. And I was like, honey, I don't, I didn't I don't coin that, that phrase. I don't, right. you can do with it whatever you want. It's not mine. It's mm-hmm. just something I say all the time. Because it's not one of these, you know, it, it doesn't belong to anybody. It's just a, a big idea. But just being asked that was so strange. Yeah. And, and I've had a couple friends ask me how to start a podcast. And I'm like, well, you really should talk to Lonnie. <laughs> Because, like, I don't know. But then I'm like, yeah, I do know. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. I do know. I know how to set it up. I know how to submit Mm -hmm. to iTunes. I know how to run the RSS. I know how to post. Like, I I do know how to do it. And it's just bizarre, like, (laughs) getting to that point that, okay, I do know how to do this. I mean, there's tons of areas to improve, and I want to get better, but I do know how to do it now. Mm -hmm. And I didn't used to know how. And so that learning curve experience is, is always difficult but also really kind of enjoyable Mm -hmm. and I don't know and honestly don't want to know about the performance data yeah I don't think about success in terms of building a platform or business things I have no idea how many people (laughs) listen to any of the shows I'm on and I don't want to know if I start comparing my performance on a podcast with another podcaster I'm going (laughs) to freeze and like hide Far, far away from the microphone. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. But I do want to get better in terms of audio performance and production. And I want to keep creating podcasts that are fun and thoughtful. But I really want to enjoy the experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I want it to be fun to do. And I think that that's, initially, I would have heard myself say that and be like, bitch, please. What? <laughs> this is not about you. Like, where do you get off saying, oh, I want to do this because it's fun. But you know what? Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, no, I want to do it because it's fun. That's the that's best reason why to you do something. Do everything, <laughs> do everything because it's fun. Because it's yeah. fun. No, I like that. Uh, you know, I, and I find that, like, I've done some podcasts by myself. You know, I still, still pretty. I started out as finishing up the run of Buffy uh, from a podcast I done before they fell apart and um and finished that up and then really at that point I wanted to start over with someone and that's how I pulled Noelle into it mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that I love that podcasting is um like a, a communal experience I love the conversation I love the fact that it keeps me connected with you guys I mean we are in slack we have a chipperish media private slack and we are messaging each other all day every day we make videos for each other all day every day it's really <laughs> fun so we're very connected but it keeps me actively connected to you guys who are my two best friends and like spread across the country so I don't actually see you in person that often enough you know yeah right. I love the fact that you guys like you two and Josh are like my best friends you know and I get to be connected with you guys constantly which I really really love I have you know uh, to, to quote Spike you know bleeding tragic taste in men but I have excellent taste in podcasting friends because uh, you guys are not only amazing <laughs> friends but you're also like incredible podcasters and I love working with you as well and so I mean I love how well all of that is working out I love that I get to be in a position to inspire other people to just do things just trust me it'll be fun just do it Mm -hmm. worst case (laughs) scenario you fail 
failure is not a bad thing. You know, failure happens and that's fine. Um, but like Kelly, I hate the business end of it. Like sometimes I look at the numbers and I'm like, I don't want to look at them. I hate looking at the numbers. It freezes me up. It makes me feel like a failure because no matter what, nothing's ever good enough. You know, like, and that's one of the things with, with writing that was always a problem for me too, is that in, in writing, when you publish, it's, it's never good enough. Whatever you do is great. If you hit the New York Times, that's great. But what are you going to do for me now? Now you got to hit higher on the New York Times. Now you got to stay longer right. on the New York Times. Like there's all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff that I saw my friends who were very, very successful struggle with a lot more than I did because I never really hit that place because I don't promote myself and I'm awful at like the business end of stuff. <laughs> so for me, like I, I love that I get to podcast with people who I genuinely feel are smarter than me. That is the most fun for me is being around people who are incredibly smart and smarter than I am. That is delightful. Um, That you're funny, that you're fun, that you're caring, that you're also my very close friends. So I feel incredibly safe in, you know, any kind of situation where we're working together. It's been really, really wonderful. Doing it on my own was fun. I, I did like doing some of those. I like doing Sex and Whiskey. I like doing The Still Pretties by myself. Uh, I liked doing How Story Works, but it's it's not as inspirational for me. Mm-hmm. It's like I go in and I I give, I put that energy out, but I'm not getting energy back, you know? Yeah. And when I'm doing podcasting with you guys, I'm getting energy back. Like the actual process of talking with you about things that I'm passionate about um, and that I've pulled you into kicking and screaming <laughs> and that you're, you know, you guys are passionate too. Like you really, I love the way that, that, you know, we all talk and connect on these things and still pretty has a different energy from still dead, which has a different energy from listen up a-holes because mm-hmm. we have our combined chemistry that turns us that makes us together into a third thing and I love that so um so for me it's it's a delight to be able to work with with you guys and I'm so glad that it's worked out as as well as it has because this kind of thing can go south you know (laughs) um and it can be really scary if that happens but I think that like my favorite experience is when we're in the middle of a conversation and one of you says something that just delights me and inspires me and lights me up and makes me think about things in a different way. For me, that is that is the real reward of doing this work. And, um, and it makes it so much fun. I have such a great time working with, with all of you, you know, you and um, you guys and Joshua over on Listen Up A-Holes has been absolutely delightful. And I love listening to y'all. Like, I love listening to Still Pretty, and I love listening to Listen yeah. to Angles. Yeah, see, I love listening to the ones I'm not on. Yeah, <laughs> I listen to you guys do podcasts that I'm not on. I have that thing with my, like, it's not even that I don't nec- I necessarily don't like my voice, because I've gotten really used to that. I'm sort of numb to that now. I used to hate it, but now I like it. But I don't like listening to podcasts that I'm on. And, mm-hmm. But I love listening to you guys, but I am on all the podcasts. So when you and uh, you two decided to do orgasm, I was like, oh, my God, that's incredible. And, you know, as 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 you guys pair up for different things and I'm not on those shows, you know, I love listening to Metaphors Be With You, Rob's show. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't talk about Rob enough because he's sort of off on his own. He does his own podcast by himself. Yeah. But it's delightful to me. Like, I love listening to all of you, you know, do these shows. And so part of building chipperish up is so that I can make you guys do a lot of the production extra shows so that I have stuff that I can listen to from my people that I love so much. I, I don't see like listening how to it is. Oh yeah, no, this is all all selfishly motivated. I love don't it. think for a moment. Well, 
it's so that's so great though because for for my notes for synthesis part of what i had to say about podcasting you know moving forward is i want to make a point of spending time with people i would actually want to spend time with yeah mm-hmm. you know i podcast with people i love but also you know listening to podcasts that you know where because that that host chemistry relationship really mm-hmm. really makes a difference for me. I have yeah. I have tried out podcasts in the past where I'm like, mm, there's something about these two together that I just it's not working for yeah. me. I really I really really love that part of listening to a podcast and spending time with people who I want to spend time with. I mean that sounds really circular and kind of obvious, but I feel like that mm-hmm. paying attention to that is going to yeah. be a huge thing for me moving forward as I think about what new shows I may want to dive into. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, it is really difficult to get into a new podcast or a new TV yeah. show or a new, you know, anything. It's a little bit of it it is like dating. You kind of have to put yourself out there and go, yeah. "All right, well the first, <laughs> you know, the first exactly. few pages of this book may not grab me, but the rest of it is wonderful. And I just kind of need to get over that initial, you yeah. know, You got to push yourself through that. That takes a lot of energy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of moving forward as a podcaster, I mean, the more I allow myself to be myself when I speak into mm-hmm. a microphone, I think the better things are going to be both on the content end on you know what I produce but also my experience of podcasting yes mm-hmm. you know and I am I love to overshare so I guess <laughs> buckle up everyone like I don't believe I don't really believe in oversharing yeah I mean it's an overshare like something something is oversharing in my mind if it's not your story to share you know if it's right. not like, mm-hmm. I would never want to get on a podcast and talk about someone else's experience without that person's express permission. Right. Mm-hmm. But I can get on a podcast and talk about my experience, you know, warts and weirdness and all, because, mm-hmm. you know, I love it when other people are weird. And I think yeah. weird is just really just a judgy way of thinking about people's authenticity and openness and vulnerability yeah and I'm here for that (laughs) oh absolutely you know I love that I love it when people you know you were talking about expertise Lonnie and what makes somebody an expert and I think fandom in its (laughs) own way is a level of expertise especially critical fandom if you are willing to dive into something you love and acknowledge that it's not perfect Mm-hmm. But I love it anyway, or it's not perfect, and these are the ways that it could be better, and these are the ways that it's really, really amazing, and this is the mm-hmm. effect that it has on me. This is how it makes me feel. I am here for that. I love, yes, I love hearing about people's feelings about the media that they engage with. That is, mm-hmm. that is one of my favorite things, and that's something that I seek out in you know, the podcasts that I love to listen to. Mm -hmm. I think for me, for Synthesis, this idea of podcasting as safe space is something I really need to keep thinking about. Yeah. Because I want to be more appreciative in terms of being more in the moment Mm -hmm. of the experience, both as a podcaster and as a listener. Because I think Mm -hmm. that that deep conversation is a conduit to the flow state 
and rushing or distraction are the enemies of the flow state. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because like when I was first thinking about podcasting as a vehicle for learning, I wrote a podcast journal that's very Mm -hmm. similar to a reading journal so that you could like keep up with the podcast you were listening to and the big ideas and like, oh, that's cool. What you learned from it and questions and all this kind of stuff, because that's just how my brain rolls. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I don't do that a lot. Like, I'm usually listening to a podcast while I'm doing something else because there's only so many hours in the day. I'd like more time to reflect and just appreciate what I'm hearing and, and to, to have more appreciation for the time I get to spend podcasting with the awesome, you know, people that I get to podcast with. Mm-hmm. And I think that that also can help me think about writing differently. Mm-hmm. And this is like a new crunchy idea that I've been playing with a lot is how would I write this story if I was writing it as a podcast script instead of a book? Ooh, interesting. Whoa. And and so, like, that has really opened up some creative writing space for me. Mm-hmm. And then I think I have to keep grappling with this desire for performance and telling shame to fuck off. Because, yes, like, when I think <laughs> about what I'd like to do in my mm-hmm. free time, like, my kid is in college now, and, like, I mean, I still work full time. I'm podcasting. You know, it's not like I have all the time in the world, but I do Mm -hmm. have more time than I used to have. And the things that come to me are like community theater and improv and voice classes. And hey, it might be fun to narrate an audio book. I like to learn how to do that, you know. But every time one of those ideas hits, it's this immediate, well, why do you want to be out there performing in the first place? And you already Mm -hmm. talk too much. And this, you know, but I think just sort of accepting that that makes me happy and I like it and there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. And just embracing that a little bit more um, might actually be a lot of fun. Oh, I think you should narrate X and Single Girl for me. Oh my God, I would fucking love that. I love that book. She's from Georgia. And I'm so bad because I didn't write it with any kind of Southern thing. But we'll talk about that (laughs) because I I would love to have that narrated. We can put that up on Audible. It'd be awesome. I would love to do that. I love that book. Okay. (laughs) We're going to talk about that off mic. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to plan a thing. Cool, cool, cool. Well, for me, you know, going into synthesis, I think that uh, sometimes doing as many podcasts as I do, you know, while having a full-time and a part-time job, uh, and, you know, one kid's still at home. I've got another one in college, so I do have a little bit more time, but um, but it's just, it's a bit overwhelming sometimes, and sometimes yeah. I feel trapped under the weight of it all, you know, um, but it would break my heart to give it up because I love doing it, and it's so fun. And one of the things when I talk about you know, Noelle was just talking about authenticity, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and being, you know, vulnerable. And part of that, when I talk about podcasting to people, um, I talk about these three things that make podcasting both powerful and, um, and that make you good at it. And it's vulnerability. It's being willing to be vulnerable in front of people, um, which is something I've shared my stories completely openly. My life is a damn open book. Um, so anybody who listens to me knows who I am because I'm exactly the person behind the scenes that I am on mic, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Pretty much. Except, yeah, the, except the podcast are. voice. My <laughs> yeah. podcast voice where I talk like this. Um, I'm 
<laughs> aside from that, it's pretty much the same thing, right? So being willing to be vulnerable in, in, in public space is a very difficult thing, but it also um, opens up a vulnerable space for other people where they can experience their own vulnerability, um, even if it's not public, it's private, but it still allows them to kind of like have that permission to open up about these things and think about them. Authenticity, being genuinely who you are, is absolutely the biggest thing in, in podcasting. Trying to be something that you are not is the best way to come off as um, as stiff and wrong. And I, I think it's the same thing for a lot of politicians, especially now as we're moving into our, you know, campaign, two years of campaigning oh, stage uh-huh. of this yeah. process. Um, Buckle up. Who are, yeah, seriously. <laughs> people who are authentic you know, um, get farther and do better because they're just being authentically themselves. And and so that's, I think, a thing that if you bring who you genuinely are to anything that you do, it's going to be better. It's going to be stronger. People are going to respond to it more. Um, and also there's that intimacy that we talked about is that you are the voice in somebody's head. Like people feel that you are their best friend. And in some ways you are. You may not realize it. You may not be actively participating in that relationship if they don't contact you or you don't know them at all, but you still become a voice in somebody's head and Mm -hmm. you become part of their inner circle you know and that is something that is every form of of storytelling as I teach in my my narrative theory classes has their own has its own strengths and value and I think the intimacy is one of the most powerful strengths of podcasting so all of that together is what you know makes podcasting good you know and strong and um and i like all of that stuff but i'm still finding this balance you know uh letting it be okay that i don't like and am not good at the business part of things i like to do things that i'm good at and when i do something that i'm not good at all the time Mm -hmm. um or in this case fail to do the thing because i'm not good at it i mean let's be honest right you know it always makes me feel so terrible which is why i don't look at the numbers which is why i try not to but when i see them i get totally depressed because i'm like oh god i suck at this, you know, and, uh, and that's, you know, why I'm in this, in this point, I'm thinking about partnering, you know, I'm thinking about getting someone who is good at that stuff to do that stuff, who good. likes doing that stuff, you know, and uh, my big problem with that is that I, I feel like I don't deserve it, you know, like if, if I'm not willing mm. to do like eat the shit sandwich, as Elizabeth Gilbert likes to talk about, like, if you love doing something enough that you'll eat the shit sandwich for the stuff that you don't like doing, then that's something that you really should be doing. And, um, and so I'm like, well, if I'm not willing to eat the shit sandwich, should I really be doing this and yada, 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 uh, and all that kind of stuff. So you let's know. reframe that shit, bitch. Yeah, let's reframe that shit, bitch, right? Exactly. Um, but now I'm starting, I'm starting to reframe. I'm starting to see things differently. Um, you know, if I can bring someone in who likes doing that stuff and is mm-hmm. good at that stuff and can use the platform that I've built, you know, um, to elevate their own visibility and, you know, and move them forward in this game, you know, then I am contributing and I've earned that partner. So we'll, we'll see how it works out. I, I still don't know, you know, what I'm going to do. Um, but the idea of allowing myself to enjoy the fun parts and do well what I do well and let someone else to do the stuff that I don't like and that I don't do particularly well you know I mean that's a way to move forward because the thing is that like I do want a larger audience because I feel like the work that we do is really good 
yeah. you know, that we're doing good stuff because we are vulnerable, we are authentic, and we do have, you know, a, a sense of our own power and that intimacy, and we take that very seriously. Um, and I think those are all things that make great podcasts. I think we do great work, and I would like more people to know about it. I would like to be able to to be a positive force for more people, and I think that that's, that's great. So I'm just... I'm. As I move forward with all of this, I'm kind of developing my my sense of myself for this next phase of of this thing that I do, you know? Oh, I love that so much. Fantastic. So much. It's Yay! so good. So, Noelle, what's your favorite part? My favorite part of podcasts, listening and and creating is actually the same thing. It's a good podcast. Mm-hmm is like the best, most fulfilling hangout with smart, cool people. <laughs> and I just it love is. that. Yes. I mm-hmm. love that. I love that mm-hmm. connection. And I love the connection that branches off from podcasts. I mean, I have gotten to, you know, some of my best friends I met through podcasting, yeah. which is mm-hmm. kind of bizarre, but also really <laughs> it is wonderful. A little weird, isn't it? It's super weird. <laughs> But it's also really, really fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. kind of like, that's kind of magical. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite part, Kelly? So I think this is getting to be like the word for me. It was the same way with when we talked about dark stories, but it's this shared appreciation or sharing things that you appreciate. And Lonnie, when you were talking about how podcasting is a form of intellectual rigor for you, mm-hmm. I was thinking about how podcasting relates to teaching for me and they're not the same thing but like when I'm podcasting I am not teaching they are two completely different experiences but the reason I love teaching is because I love sharing good ideas like that is and as soon as I learn how to do something or I learn a concept that blows my mind I want to share it with somebody else Mm mm-hmm So like when I was writing my dissertation and I was learning how to do that, um, the hardest part for me was figuring out what the hell you were supposed to do with a theoretical framework. Like (laughs) I, I got to the part that I understood what a framework was, but I didn't understand how you were actually supposed to use it. I was like banging my head against a wall. I just could not fucking figure this out. And I mean, this was a year of just banging my head against the wall. And then I figured it out. And it was like, holy God, this huge intellectual orgasm. Like, oh, my God, I get this. I understand. Mm -hmm. I see this now. And so immediately I wanted to show somebody else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) we ended up having a theoretical framework party in the hall (laughs) at the university in between classes with these giant poster boards up on the wall that I was writing on Uh because I was like, oh my God, I understand how this works now. Holy shit. Come on, everybody. We're going to (laughs) play. So it it is that desire to share Mm -hmm. really good ideas. Um, And I think in a different way, podcasting lets me do that too, whether I'm listening or you know, we're talking. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it is, it is shared appreciation and it is about sharing. Yeah. Which is, is kind of interesting to, to think about, you know, so I don't know exactly what to do with that yet, but it's my favorite part. <laughs> what about you, Lonnie? What's your favorite part? Oh God, uh, just being delighted and surprised, you know, by the smart people that I work with. Um, I love when, you know, 
you say something, you know, either of you or Joshua, and I'm just lit up by the idea, you know, or delighted and laughing. It's, it's so wonderful and it feeds my soul in a way that few other things do. I love that I have a company with actual people that I can afford to pay. Uh, although I'd like to pay more. So patreon.com slash shippers, three bucks a month. will do us some good. So just uh, do that. See how awkward I am with that. I hate that, but I'm terrible at it. So please, please don't make me read, you know, copy for Harry's razors on the shows is what I'm saying. I love that we're in touch every day, like about everything in our lives that, that we have this work that we do together. Um, but at the same time, we're all very close friends and that there's no like, I mean, you know, I shouldn't say this, I should knock on wood, but there's no conflict. There's no, like, yeah. there's no, there's no bitter fighting. This is not, you know, the real <laughs> podcasters of Orange County. This is, you know, <gasps> we have this but wonderful. I would Patreon that. <laughs> Oh, we should, you know what? We should make a fake, like, behind the scenes where we're fighting with something like that. No, that would not be We wouldn't be able to do it. behind the scenes is just sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know it. It really is. You know, it's the sex ideas and rock and roll, I think, more than anything else. Yes, sex um, ideas and rock and roll. And snark. Yeah. It and snark, lots of snark, <laughs> lots of lots of sherry music and videos in the in the Slack chat and everything. It's just it's so much fun. So I you know I I love all of this. I love what it has become. I love that we do this together. You know every week that it keeps me connected with my best friends. Um, it really is a wonderful experience both personally and professionally. And that's why I want everybody to do it. Everybody yeah. out there who's ever wanted to podcast, just freaking do it. Absolutely. Trust me, it'll be fun <laughs> you heard it here first folks trust her it'll be fun Fantastic. i love it i love it kelly jones mm-hmm. take us into anticipation please okay so since our guest is the voice that launched a thousand podcasts we are going to put her on the spot to give us some homework and ask lonnie to pick our next orgasm topic so lonnie dandridge what would you like to hear us talk about next? <laughs> well, um, I chose creativity, I, even though like Ooh. Kelly and I spent a long time talking about creativity over in Big Strong Yes when we were covering Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. Um, and that was really, really fun. I would love to hear you guys talk about creativity and especially in this particular orgasm framework. Um, I think it'd be really, really fun to hear that and, and you know, talk about creativity in, in so many different ways. It's not just, you know, like writing books or painting paintings. There's so many different ways to be creative. And, um, and I would love to hear you guys dive deep into that and discuss it. So, um, you know, creativity is not on Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, but it does seem to be at the very core of what it means to be human. And I want to hear you guys kind of tear that apart. Oh, she's oh. giving me homework related to Maslow. <laughs> uh, Spontaneous she orgasm you. now. <laughs> she knows you. I know. This is so great. Well, and, and previewing some chipperish work to come, I will say there, there yes. are going to be other conversations specifically about creative writing. So for this episode of Orgasm, I am going to challenge myself to talk about creativity that is not related to writing. Ooh, I love that. Just to try something new and different. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I have some ideas, but I will be interested to see what comes up over the course of the next couple weeks. 
Excellent. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. All right. Well, Lonnie, thank you so much for doing this oh, with us today. You. It's always so much fun to talk to you. And we love having you on Orgasm and just letting Orgasm be part of Chipperish and for everything that you do. You know how much we love you. But thank you for oh, I love you guys too. being here. For everybody else, we want to hear from you. Why do you love the podcast you love? To connect with us on Twitter and Instagram, follow Noelle at Noelle Aloud and me at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag Orgasm. You can also go a little deeper by visiting the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum and join in the discussion. As you all know by now, like all Chipperish <laughs> media podcasts, Orgasm is 100% patron supported. We literally could not continue to do this show without your support just a dollar a month or as much as you care to send our way we'll get you access to exclusive patron content the live chat and discord the stuff we keep teasing that's gonna be <laughs> patron only content i'm excited i'm really excited i have some yeah. i have some plans there are some plans and the chipperish patrons are just some of the smartest coolest folks that i've ever gotten to interact with if you want to get in on that action, visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It's a great way to support the show and to help other people find us. Or post about your orgasmic experience on your social media platforms because explosive inspiration is best when shared with friends. Amen. We will be back next time to talk about creativity in all things. Until then, I'm going to leave you with the words of Madeline Langle from Swiftly Tilting Planet. Part of doing something is listening. We are listening to the sun, to the stars, to the wind. <laughs>